Hi, this is We Are Storytellers, where two mixed Diné, Irish, Eastern European, Indigenous brothers talk about making artwork. I'm Martin John, a graphic novelist and writer. Is it me? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I am Damien John, and I am exactly what Martin just said. Uh, I would be in the realm of, I guess, an emerging artist. Uh, I've had some success with shows and things of late, and we thought it would be amazing to talk about art from our particular lens and have a little bit of fun. And maybe if a few listeners are out there, then we can tell our stories to you. So here's the first one, and we'll see where we go. Okay, we decided that we would, um, Damien had uh, this book given to him called How to Be an Artist by a guy named Jerry Saltz. This is the, this is what it looks like. Um, and uh, we decided that we would discuss How to Be an Artist by Jerry Saltz as through our filter. And so we're going to go to the first uh chapter or installment and it is called don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed so basically jerry is saying um art can be humiliating fear can get to you every work of art is a culture space and don't worry about whether or not your art makes sense. Let go of being good and start thinking about creating. That's the, the summary of what he says in the page. Um, do you want to speak to that a little, Damien? Yeah, like, uh, so the reason we picked Jerry was I felt the book was really concise and thought provoking and useful as a creative person he's a writer i think martin you're a writer and i focus more my creative stuff into images but i do some writing in relationship to it too and we're both long time creative people but pretty new to like really giving it space to flourish and it's hard to do in this world because of all sorts of things and we end up sometimes not doing it because of those things, but both of us have gotten to the point where we just start feeling the desire to expand ourselves creatively. So I've had focus on it for maybe six years, like really high level focus on it. And that first chapter of don't be embarrassed, like it's short, it's an easy one to read and reflect on, but it's like totally true in so many ways for me the initial thing i thought when when there was that was like i'm able to be absolutely creative on my own when i don't have to show it to people and i don't have a lot of uh reluctance to create when nobody sees it but when i'm bringing it into the world and people are going to see it then I'm constantly wondering who's going to appreciate it. What are people going to say? Am I going to say it well enough? And 
do my skill sets match what I want to say? And sometimes they don't. And all of those things collectively have, have had me engage with feeling, yeah, not maybe embarrassed, but bashful, reluctant, less, um, less able sometimes, self-doubting, all kinds of those things. And I think so many artists have that. Have you encountered anybody, Martin, who, who is a creative, who hasn't had self-doubt at some point? I mean, it seems like people that have been doing this forever uh, come across as those type of people. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, I think that uh, that polish comes with just having run up against that uncomfortableness enough, you know? Yeah. Like, I think even well-established creatives will still encounter, I think I'll encounter doubt my whole life when it comes to what I'm putting out there. It gets even harder for me when I start to, like, start to go into the places creatively that are, um, I guess, more related to my own life and my more private aspects of my life. Like as a writer, I think a lot of writers are bearing pieces of themselves to everybody. And, and then as a, as an artist, I, I do some similar things where private pieces of myself become public and that's a difficult process, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I honestly think that that process is interesting because um, bearing your soul, I think, is kind of like finding your voice, you know? And yeah. as a writer, people are always talking about finding your voice and how important that is. And I know as an Indigenous guy, I, I wrote for a white audience for a while um, without really th taking any of my past into consideration. And what, is, what does that look like writing uh, for the audience? What's the difference? I think writing for a white audience was um, trying to make something that would appeal to like mostly uh, like a Caucasian audience. So something very commercial, something with like uh, what I consider to have like a commercial appeal that, that everybody could, could kind of buy into. And I think that the further along that I get in my writing process, um, I still want my work to be somewhat commercial, but finding my voice is starting to include that indigenous part into that. And that also comes with like self-exploration and learning things about myself and about our family that has kind of um, brought that forward for me. And what about the piece of we're like, we both have really worked on our identities and have lived in a world where, um, where from both ends of the spectrum, we, we haven't, fit in necessarily or felt like we fit into the indigenous aspects of ourselves or the non-indigenous aspects of ourselves. And, and I have found it's way easier for me to speak to the indigenous story, 
to non-Indigenous people. I feel more bashful about my Indigenous story when I think Indigenous people are are seeing it or consuming it in some way. And that's very curious to me. Do you have that? Oh, for sure. I think, yeah. you know, there's there's this, it's, it's imposter syndrome, no matter what, you know, it's the idea that uh, my ideas aren't going to be indigenous enough, or my ideas, um, it's just like, my ideas aren't good enough, but they're not good enough in a certain way. Like, I don't speak the language perfectly, or I don't wear regalia, or that type of stuff. Um, and so this, like this lateral violence that has shown up that informs the type of type of uh, creating you might do. Um, I think I'm working against that at the moment because uh, I have come to a place where I just uh, I don't think like I care, but what I have inside of me wants to come out more than more than um trying to like make people happy i guess i think that might even be the key to getting over embarrassment <laughs> mm. is the pressure to get the creative thing out might be just that that dynamic that you just can't ignore it anymore yeah i think that's where i found myself uh, you know i've just quit my job um as a barber and I'm writing full time for the first time in my 42 year life. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's frightening to think that, uh, that embarrassment could be what keeps me, uh, from actually speaking my voice. Uh -huh. Well, it's a conundrum too because there's there's not just a frightening piece but there's also like building your skill sets so you have two bridges to overcome in the process and i think most creatives have some version of that like i imagine anybody who's being truthful about their family has to think oh man they're not gonna like this or um at, at some point in their creative process unless you're just uh, painting flowers or something yeah i mean you know we've talked about it but i've had in the past couple days come across um just a fear and it was just a deep fear and it came from like my writing process uh, i don't know if it was a, a form of burnout or what it was but like i actually had to stop writing for a couple of days and just kind of like gather my wits around me so that I could approach my manuscript in a way that uh, I guess is is healthy. Um, and that meant actually like going back, tightening things up, taking things out. And I'm trying not to do that because I'm just trying to move forward. And what helps yeah. you synthesize that to actually not just getting stuck? Oh, what helped me? Yeah, like a lot of artists and creatives would encounter something similar where they're having some doubts about what they're doing. Like, sounds like you're moving through it. What are you doing to help yourself move through it? Uh, I think just being compassionate with myself. 
Uh, I look like letting myself take a break. I, I've been I've been under a tight deadline, and I I have this feeling that I need to get something done because I've given up my quote unquote work to do this passion project passion project. So I think part of it is just the idea that um, and I'm trying to get my manuscript done for a certain point. I was trying to get it done for October 31st so I could enter it into a contest. And I think of that, um, just put it in a, an unreal place, a place that um, uh, I, like I definitely met resistance there. And it was, it was, uh, it was a learning experience for sure. Deadlines can be helpful, but they can also be <laughs> kind of devastating. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I've never really written to a deadline. And going from a first draft of 20,000 words to a full first draft of uh, a manuscript in a month is a difficult thing to do, I think. Yeah. It's not like... Uh... Uh, <laughs> that process kind of speaks to your process a little bit. It's like, let's make things extra interesting <laughs> by putting my workload to the most I can handle. Let's see how I do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'm in this Indigenous Writers uh, Workshop, and we are. Uh, we have a mentor, and my mentor was like, you can get this done. And of course, that was just the push that I needed, right? It was something like all I need is somebody to say, okay, work extra, extra, extra hard and don't pay any attention to whatever else is going on. And of course, that'll get me where I'm going, mm -hmm. uh, which is down the, down the, I don't know, crazy tube or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, uh, well, I wonder if you were more if you had a longer line of experience with the process of writing publishing everything involved with it if it would be a little bit more doable like your mentor has that but you are more new to that process like maybe not the writing itself but the the whole process of it and so you're still working out some of your systems and yeah, uh, I think there's that. And I think just like I, I didn't realize how tired I would get. Right. Just constantly um, being in a creative space. Yeah, that's a thing for sure. Like a lot of people think being creative is really a cushy, cushy existence. But yeah, I don't working, like you're working hard from your mental perspective and then have you had any real embarrassment show up in the last little bit i think that uh yeah i think there's embarrassment mixed with fear uh the idea of course that i'm not good enough because um i've been writing my manuscript without a really, really detailed um, framework. And 
that has led me to some really interesting discoveries. And it's also kind of led me off topic. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I had to go through 60,000 words to completely overhaul my script was uh, kind of a daunting task. And it was one of those things where I, um, I, I, I just, yeah, it, it, I found myself in a really kind of scared place because of it. And I just had to like put the brakes on and do some work around what was making me so scared. You think the idea of perfection cultivates this quality of embarrassment? Oh, for sure. I think I think there's that idea that uh, perfection uh, is uh, it. It's the the goal for an early artist, I think. Yeah. It's kind of a stupid goal. Like, what is perfect? Yeah, there's no, there's no, you know, there comes to a place where you just have to like birth the baby uh, and, and let it, let it kind of sit with people. Uh, I have written some things and published them, and I'm always surprised by how how um certain people think that they're so good and you know i'm like okay someone likes this and i'm surprised by that fact which is uh speaks to that your writing is so good is that everything well yeah i mean they they enjoy something that i do they're like oh i can't wait for the next issue of your comic or uh i can't I really like the story that you wrote or that type of thing. And I'm always like, kind of, I'm happy about it, but I'm also surprised that somebody, somebody likes it, Uh which given the amount of work that I put into it, uh, I don't know, like, (laughs) I, I know artists are like, there's a lot of artists out there that, that put a lot of work into something and it's still, is something that I don't like personally. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I just think there comes a, there comes a point where that perfection has to be put aside for the simple fact of if you're a perfectionist forever, you can't just keep writing the same thing. I know people, I know people that are writers that have been writing the same 20,000 words for um, 18 years, you know? Okay. So are you using, like, that's an interesting thing too. It's like, what's worth being creative about? It's different for every creative person. Like, the person who's writing the Louis L'Amour books uh, and has a nice time doing that is successful in a similar way to if you wrote something that you were proud of, you would feel successful too. Like it's kind of, it's such a personal journey. It feels like, uh, 
how do you, and then, so how do you find your, your voice and work through those, those embarrassed places, especially if you're comparing yourself to others, that's where I can kind of get a little bit embarrassed too, is like technically, especially in this world where everything is shared, there are some incredible artists out there. Like their techniques are incredible. They're superior technicians and they've worked hard to get there. And sometimes when I see those people's art, I go, what am I even doing? Like I get a little bit embarrassed about my own te technical capacity because it's not close to theirs. But then I think like there's so many layers as I've matured in, in my creative process, there's so many layers to being creative. And I think my superpower and I think your superpower and I think lots of creative superpower is that we're like idea machines. Mm. We're just, I'm never embarrassed about that. Like I know I've never, I've never hit a wall with creativity. I'm so far behind my ideas. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could compare ourselves to people all day. There was somebody that put uh, an excerpt of their first draft on Twitter the other day. And I was just like, man, that's the first draft. That's like my, that's my fifth pass at something, you know, as a, as a writer, I was just like, oh, that's, that's really good, you know? Also, somebody who's been working professionally for many years. Um, I am definitely not somebody who's been working like uh, professionally for many years. I've been working for, I don't know, it's over a decade now in writing and creating comics. But uh, those are all self published. So I can, you know, I can give myself like uh, a rating based on my experience, but. I, I don't think that is uh, that's first like a healthy way of like uh, being an artist, you know. I, I think it just comes down to the point where, like I said before, where you you either do it or you don't, and you either find joy in that space or what. Like I don't know. I don't know if it's always joyful. Sometimes it's torture. But uh, you're you're getting you're getting what's inside of you out, and that is somewhat, uh, I guess, uh, satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I found, especially as I dive into things that aren't just beautiful things, like I dive into more of the thing, other things that I want to make a voice around using using artistic process like that becomes like what you're saying it's not always enjoyable and uh and it's also one of the places where i i, I start to have to engage more of that questioning and self-doubt like i remember my first forays like i was going through a lot of personal grief so a lot of my art was very grief filled and my art prior to that was lots of beautiful colors and animals and lines. And, and then the gallery I was showing those pieces at looked at my griefy pieces and said, we're kind of like a family gallery and 
those don't fit. And, but I was like, but that's where I am. And uh, it made me doubt my process a little bit as a creative person. And that's a valid point from that gallery because they're a commercial gallery and they want to sell work. And maybe they don't think that griefy work sells, especially when it's like all animals and mountains in the gallery. And that makes sense to me. But there is that whole process of like, the work I did in my grief was actually way, way better. I thought like I liked it better, even from a technical perspective, it was just cleaner and more interesting to me. And that's when I started doing more work that was related to some of those stories, the grief stories and the big intergenerational stuff from an indigenous lens and all that kind of thing. And all of a sudden the art becomes hefty, but it also comes with it this quality of like, uh, well, there's the pressure to get it out, but there's also like, oh, what happens when people see this thing? Like, are they going to hate me? Are white people going to hate me? Are indigenous people going to hate me? Are Catholics going to hate me? Are politicians going to hate me? Like all of those things have cropped up. They still crop up, but I just kind of go, well, I guess hate is part of it. <laughs> or if they don't like it. And that's part of being a creative too, is like, you can't please everybody. No way. Well, I've always said, you know, art is, for me anyways, the emotional content that I take out from it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're making somebody feel something, then you're probably doing it right. Yeah, even if the thing is not the emotion that is the most uh, ideal or the one that you think would be the most ideal. Because everybody, I think... When they think art, they want people to be pleased with their art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a story recently and I submitted it to a CBC short story and it's from an indigenous perspective. And I talk about white people and I dub them as white people, you know, and I've only just started thinking in terms like that. I, I like I, I always I never really thought of people as this or that because I always felt that that corralled me into places I didn't want to be. Um, like, I just wanted to be seen as me. I didn't want to be seen as that indigenous guy, or I didn't want to be seen as that white guy or whatever. And, but there's something to be said for perspectives on things. Um, like if I have a perspective and it's an indigenous perspective and I see it being in contrast to what what I would consider a white person, then I can write to that, you know? And the story that I was writing about was about racism. So there is that contrast for me. Like I can't just live in that middle space all the time and pretend that everything is going to be all right, you know? So um there is conflict that happens between races and like racial conflict is something that i want to talk to and that's not going to make everyone happy at all um and i'm okay with that like i want to promote people uh having conversations about this type of stuff yeah but it is a really especially as an emerging artist i think there's a it's, it's a difficult psychological path to take um, in some ways, because not only is it emotionally toilsome, but 
there is a strong likelihood that you open yourself to some negativity, whether that's further racism or in the most tropey version of it is the angry black woman, like somebody who is angry and black and female gets pigeonholed into this thing. And so there's, I think, some fear around that for a lot of creatives when they start to engage in these types of things. And then, yeah, like, are you going to be accepted by the group that you're speaking to or advocating for even? Like, that's another whole thing because your unique voice is your unique voice. And and there are other people who identify indigenously who wouldn't... Uh, who wouldn't have a same story and would say, you're not speaking for me. That makes it uh, extra hard to be brave. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can, you can play that game all day if you want, you know, and I have, uh, which is part of the reason why uh, it's taken me so long to, get to the point where I want to do this as something um, like a career, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think both of us have had lots of, we have different stories, but we have some kind of similar, some of the stuff is a similar relationship to it. And I, uh, I think when you engage creatively and you're brave enough to start to speak to some of the difficulties of your life. I think that's noble. I think creatives do noble work when they go into those places. And uh, I think it's actual work. Like I think it's uh, like working for the betterment of the human collective and I admire it. And even if I don't like these days, it's changed my focus a little bit about what I think about when I see art even if I don't like the art necessarily from an aesthetic point of view, I can deeply appreciate the work put into it. Like that changes how I value something now. Like I think you were mentioning you were in a show recently or you looked at an art show recently and you don't generally read the stuff, but then you read something and it shifted something. Yeah. I was at a, I was at a show at the Vancouver art gallery and, uh, I didn't really like a piece. I thought that it was uh, it was it was it looked sexist to me. It was just um, a bunch of nude bodies, very much kind of uh, gratuitously and suggestively drawn. And I'm like, that's drawn by a white guy for sure. That's that that's totally like uh, just some sexist bullshit. And then I looked at it, and I was completely wrong. And the idea of the artwork was to actually um, fight those kind of like, or make you question that sexist stuff. It was done by a, a two-spirited um, artist uh, who, can, who was uh, self-identified as queer. And it was the exact opposite message that I was taking from just looking at the paintings was what they were made for. So it was kind of like, it was, 
it was one of those things where I was like, oh, the intention is uh, much different than how my perception of this was. Right. Yeah, that's where art gets really curious. Even like I think about some of the installation artists who are like hugely popular, like Jeff Koons, like some of his art is just taking a bot item and putting it in front of a mirror or something like that. And the way he's explained it to people makes it art for certain people. And like Jeff Koons could just as easily have been some person that everybody disregarded, but for whatever reason he wasn't. And that's the curious thing about art too, is like, I think if you work hard at your craft and you have some intelligence behind you, maybe, maybe intelligence is a bias too, but, um, but like you just create, 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 create. Um, it's gonna come to the right people. Maybe it's not even about ourselves or something, but like, I think it's just storytelling at the end of the day and um, stories will always land when they're told well. So that's what art is for me these days too, is like, how do I get to a place where I can really tell the story I want to? Is it possible yet? Some days it feels like it, some days not. Um, but yeah, I definitely have encountered that feeling of, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not, and I don't have that very much, but I have that show up for sure every now and again. And uh, often it's in comparison. Like if I do a comparison to an artist I respect, sometimes I feel shitty about myself. When, when you talk about storytelling, like uh, in artwork, give me an example of your work and like uh, something that you, you wanted to say with him. Well, it's kind of ranged. Depends on my own personal relationship to what's going on in the world right now. But I've been a reasonably longtime advocate for bettering indigenous, just an indigenous person's quality of life in Canada. And um, yeah, like my art recently, one of my art, my a show that I did recently is exploring the impacts of um, the Indian Act, but I was using comic covers to deliver it. It's a weird amalgamation of things, but it is kind of like I grew up reading lots of comics, comic art and comic storytelling has influenced me a lot. And I've always appreciated the delivery system that is a cover where it says, hey, have a look inside. This is interesting. And good covers would almost always make me buy the comic, especially if I couldn't see the inside of it. So the storytelling there is this really complex thing. It has this, yeah, it has this quality of my relationship to comic covers. It also has this quality of my relationship to the Indian Act, but also my relationship to indigenous relatives um, and all of the various stories that I've known over time and all my own personal stories that relate to those stories. And then a lot of that show became telling that story in a way through the images and through some 
some words. Um, so, uh, I'm always kind of looking to tell a story in the artwork that I do, whether it's that or some other kind of story. And, um, I'm always trying to make it approachable to somebody. <laughs> like, I think if I just made art and my focus and bias was on myself and I didn't care what anybody else thought, it might just be chaos. I don't know. Like, I think part of the creating art is creating the relationship to other people too. Um, and so I think I, I find it a really rewarding process in, in its complexity. It's not just making a nice image for me anymore. It's kind of like, how do I pack all sorts of things into it? Like the paper I'm making right now is full of things that have meaning to me. And I'm, I'm exploring the idea of money and currency. And there's no way I can put everything I value into a piece of paper. There's no way I could give you a hundred of these currencies and it'd be worth the stories that are invested in these pieces of paper. And there's almost no way I can tell people that story even by doing all of this stuff, but I'm really trying to. <laughs> and, uh, um, that's really interesting to me but i have yeah that's kind of how i try to tell a story is it, it's it's varied but i i really like telling stories that have lots of textures to them and maybe even some hidden spaces that's what i like especially with image now if that's like a, if, if that's a really personal story to you like going back to the embarrassment idea do you do you feel embarrassed to tell that story yeah, I felt like, again, related to an indigenous audience, I was like, am I telling this story right? Is it going to be, are the people that I love in these indigenous communities going to respect me after I put this out? Um, are they going to think that what I'm saying is correct? Um, I've had a lot of that growing up, like, a question of my my indigenous voice and as a mature indigenous man i've now decided to to ground myself in the knowledge that my story is worth something and my lens as an indigenous person is just as important as anybody else's and nobody gets to tell me that it's not uh and I'm open to conversation about those types of things, but I'm not open to a person telling me I'm right or wrong because my story is my story. And, uh, but that's a hard place to come to. And I, even in that grounded place, I still feel shy mm -hmm. sharing this type of stuff with certain people. Um, I felt uh, apprehension when the show first came out because like i want my work to be good like i want my my message to come across and sometimes i don't know if i've succeeded until it shows up and and i get some feedback um and like i don't consider close friends and family a very good uh 
sample size to get a knowingness because they know my story. So they have a bias about knowing certain things. So I have to wait until a good portion of people see it. And then I can know whether or not what I was trying to say has worked or not. And mm. that is a vulnerable place. It's a kind of a scary place, but I guess like you were saying, the pressure behind it is more than feeling scared about anything. And I think the only way to accomplish that kind of thing, I, I find a lot of value in working hard and being a little bit afraid of outcomes. I think it's useful. So having those experiences, other types of experiences behind me gives me the ability to be courageous when I don't know what the outcome will be. Mm -hmm. And um, even from a perspective of not succeeding, let's say financially or having people like what you do or whatever, uh, there's still lots of value in exploring it for me. Like if I didn't, my show wasn't excess and success and everybody said I was crappy and, and, uh, that I didn't do anything useful. Um, the process of it for me, I would still learn something from that. So I find creative processes incredibly, incredibly transformative and useful. I think everybody should do them. <laughs> everybody should have a focus on creative for a good portion of their life. Cause uh, for me, I've had to like investigate and work and therapize all kinds of stuff in this process. And at the end of the day, I think that's a, uh, It's definitely one of the worthwhile pursuits in a life might not be the only one, but it is worthwhile, I think, to do that. So um, I continue to do so until something more worthwhile comes along. Yes. <laughs> yeah, something, something that you were saying about um, just uh, having having uh, the right or uh people see your work that type of thing uh -huh. um i think it's really important to to have um the right people who are uh not your like you said not your um your primary people in your life to take a look at your things having a network of people that are uh, removed from you is uh, i think a super important you know, thing to have in in your life is... are are really key hmm. but i think both have different values like i love it that mom loves our creative process it's very useful yeah to have that support but if i want critical or constructive criticism um she'll give me a certain type of it, but sometimes I want a really like strong, decisive, um, critical voice. I just want to, I want, I, I like hearing what people don't like sometimes and, or I, maybe I don't like it, but I find it useful. And my closest family, um, there's, it's com it's more complicated. Like sometimes people don't want to say something because they're, they know your feeling process and how you might go into a spiral for a week or something. So they avoid it. Um, but then 
So that's useful. It protects you in certain ways, or maybe they don't have that, that critical eye you're looking for, or I've had it where I go and I, I want somebody to say something really good about it because I've worked hard and then they don't. <laughs> and then I get all, all upset and they don't really know why I'm upset about the thing. Um, uh, yeah. So it has this, there's this quality of, um, of like a diverse perspective gives us lots more information to work with as creatives, I think. And I think that's really useful to have a, a big range. Yeah, I think that's just something that when you're starting out, trying to find those people that can give you that critical, um, that aren't in your, your friend group or aren't in your, I mean, maybe they are in your friend group, but, but they have like experience in the art world or they have experience in writing in my case or something like that, where, uh, they're not just going to blow smoke up your ass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But there's also like, sometimes you have to have the conviction to do something different too. So it's this weird, uh, trapeze wire to walk some days and I, I guess like are we trying to say something new or are we feeling arrogant arrogant about what we do and we think we know better like there's all of these <laughs> there's all of these things that that make that process uh challenging because like I guess part of it is trying to figure out how we stay honest with ourselves yeah for sure I mean you know when it comes to writing I think you uh and i'm sure with art too uh you you just get so involved in it right uh there's times where it's nothing but you think and i can convince myself that what i'm writing is the greatest thing on earth and that type of thing so when i give it to somebody who gives me critical feedback and it's not what i want to hear then it, uh, you know it can affect you in all sorts of different ways you can go and you can, you know, kind of be, oh, I'm really bad at this. Or you you can take that criticism and actually look at it in a way where, like, they're seeing something that you didn't see like, because they're not so involved in it. They're not so, like, it hasn't been their life for the past month or two months or a year or however long you've been working on the piece for. And I think that's an important, like uh, having an editor is super important. Having somebody to kind of like rein you in is, 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 is kind of important in a way, but also know when to like, let you, let you kind of fly. Yeah. And like identifying what are your value systems? Like if you start breaking outside of colonized minds, like writing something might look really, really different. You might work outside of the framework of punctuation. You might grammatically shift it. You might, and I think a lot of writers actually do that successfully in, in when they're doing conversational pieces and that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, yeah, like having critical feedback and minds and stuff is, is really useful to get a range of opinions and knowing what you want to say, I think is really important because sometimes 
you don't want to be in the norm. Like you don't, you want to be reaching outside of that. Maybe you're creating something completely new. Um, yeah. I mean, completely new within, within the idea of like, uh, what new to you, maybe. I don't think I, I I'm of the opinion that not a lot is new, you know? Well, I think a lot of perspectives are unique. Mm, yeah. you have your unique perspective. And so then even if you're writing a science fiction book about a Superman who lands on earth and has superpowers, like it'll look similar, but it'll have a different flavor. Yeah. And I, never it, will ever write the thing. It's interesting because you, you talk about that and I wrote a Superman story. Um, and I've been thinking about what it means to me as like a BIPOC person or whatever. And it's interesting because the Superman character is like a white character and like most Superman, but he's also like this space virus or whatever. So like, I, I, I wasn't really thinking about it when I made it, but I, I think of that sometimes as like this metaphor in my head, you know? And I'm like, did that just sneak out there or did like, was, was it, it wasn't something I thought, thought about when I was doing it. But now that I look at it, I'm like, huh, maybe I had some, like, maybe the idea of like the, my colonial mindset or something was kind of like stuck in the back of my brain somewhere while I was writing that. Who knows? Uh, probably. I mean, you're like to give people listening a bit of perspective our like our family our direct family a lot of them went to residential school and we have all of those stories in our subconscious and conscious place like i imagine even before we were thinking about it consciously those stories are impacting how we say things when we say things what we do um yeah like there's no escaping that uh, so maybe, maybe that was showing up in that story on some level, right? Yeah. And maybe oh. it's just like, maybe it's, it's all just bullshit I made up afterwards. But... <laughs> well, it's useful to be thoughtful about it anyway. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's trying to keep, trying to keep my mind on how, how, things have changed over the past couple of years too. So mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've hit all kinds of good spaces with exploring the idea of being, being uh, embarrassed about work or not being embarrassed or that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if you have more to say about it. I think I've hit maximum yeah, I'm I'm totally maxed out on this. I'll just leave you with what Jerry says at the end of this because it's a positive note. I love to leave everything on a positive note. Uh, it says, let go of being good. Start thinking about creating. And I think that kind of sums up a little about what we said. Um, not everything, but uh, I like that idea. It, it definitely, uh, it feels like the space that I'm in right now, kind of just get creating and stop worrying about um, all the bullshit.
what did it anyway? And uh, I think my perspective is I like to work from a place where I feel proud of what I've done based on what I know. Mm. Like, I think that has always helped me. I go, okay, I know this much. I have this amount of skill sets with this. What I've created in that space feels good to me. I've done the best I can. And uh, when I feel healthy and grounded, that's where I end up. Um, and I still, I think I'll always encounter um, feeling embarrassed or whatever, depending on who it is that sees the thing that I've worked on. Because different people all have different opinions about. Like if uh, Stephen Harper comes through my art show and is like, eh, I don't get it. I'm, I don't expect him to get it, so I don't <laughs> I don't have a problem with that negative criticism. But uh, somebody I respect walks through there, changes my dynamic and story a little bit. So yeah, it's complicated. But I think very uh, useful. And I think this is what we're going to do with this book: is like explore some of these ideas from our lenses because they're thoughtful. Saltz has done a good job of pulling some ideas and I think exploring them as artists is a fun thing to do. So that's what I think we're going to keep doing with this, right? Definitely, definitely. Uh, once again, this has been We Are Storytellers. I'm Martin John. I'm Damien John. Um, thanks for joining in and we'll check you out the next episode. Have a good day or night or morning or wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs>